Hey, it's Mike, and this podcast is brought to you by Legion, my line of naturally sweetened and flavored workout supplements. Now, as you probably know, I'm really not a fan of the supplement industry. I've wasted thousands and thousands of dollars over the years on worthless supplements that basically do nothing, and I've always had trouble finding products actually worth buying, and especially as I've gotten more and more educated as to what actually works and what doesn't. And eventually, after complaining a lot, I decided to do something about it and start making my own supplements, the exact supplements I myself have always wanted. A few of the things that make my products unique are, one, they're 100% naturally sweetened and flavored, which I think is good because while artificial sweeteners may not be as harmful as some people claim. There is research that suggests regular consumption of these chemicals may not be good for our health, particularly our gut health. So I like to just play it safe and sweeten everything with stevia and erythritol, which are natural sweeteners that actually have health benefits, not health risks. Two, all ingredients are backed by peer-reviewed scientific research that you can verify for yourself. If you go on our website and you check out any of our product pages, you're going to see that we explain why we've chosen each ingredient and we cite all supporting evidence in the footnotes so you can go look at the research for yourself and verify that we're doing the right thing. Three, all ingredients are also included at clinically effective dosages, which are the exact dosages used in those studies that prove their effectiveness. This is very important because while a molecule might be proven to, let's say, improve your workout performance, not all dosages are going to improve your workout performance. If you take too little you're not going to see any effects. You have to take the right amounts. And the right amounts are the amounts proven to be effective in scientific research. And four, there are no proprietary blends, which means you know exactly what you're buying when you buy our supplements. All of our formulations are 100% transparent in terms of ingredients and dosages. So if that sounds interesting to you and you want to check it out, then go to www.legionathletics.com. That's L-E-G-I-O-N athletics.com. And if you like what you see and you want to buy something, use the coupon code Code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and you will save 10% on your order. Also, if you like what I have to say in my podcast, then I guarantee you'll like my books. I make my living primarily as a writer, so as long as I can keep selling books, then I can keep writing articles over at Muscle for Life and Legion and recording podcasts and videos like this and all that fun stuff. Now, I have several books, but the place to start is Bigger, Leaner, Stronger if you're a guy and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger if you're a girl. Now, these books, they're basically going to teach you everything you need to know about dieting, training, and supplementation to build muscle, lose fat, and look and feel great without having to give up all the foods you love or live in the gym grinding away at workouts you hate. And you can find my books everywhere. You can buy books online like Amazon, Audible, iBooks, Google Play, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and so forth. And if you're into audiobooks like me, you can actually get one of my audiobooks for free with a 30-day free trial of Audible. To do that, go to www.muscleforlife.com forward slash audiobooks. That's musclefor.life.com forward slash audiobooks, and you'll see how to do this. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I hope you enjoy it, and let's get to the show. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Muscle for Life podcast. I am your host, Mike Matthews. And in this interview, I interview the investigative journalist, Scott Carney, about something that is gaining more and more popularity these days, and that is cold exposure. 
you know, taking cold showers and ice baths and running around outside in your underwear during the winter and so forth. This quote-unquote biohacking craze started basically with one dude, Wim Hof, who has done some pretty mind-boggling things with his body, like climbing Mount Everest in just a pair of shorts, and even better, has taught others how to do the same. Now, Scott's latest book, which is called What Doesn't Kill Us, which I also highly recommend that you read, started as a mission to debunk Wim's claims. Scott is very skeptical by nature, and he was hearing these fantastical things that this guy was doing and figured there's just no way that this is true. And so Scott basically set out to prove that Wim is a fraud. But after four years of research and personal experimentation, I mean, he really immersed himself in the whole experience, which you will see in this interview, Scott realized that these claims that Wim were making were not only true, but they actually raise bigger questions about what we're really capable of physically, mentally, and you might even say spiritually. And all that, of course, is what this interview is all about. In it, Scott shares with us the details of his almost surreal journey with Wim and how he himself learned to use simple cold exposure and breathing techniques to boost his physical health and performance and, like Wim, climb a mountain in just his shorts without dying of hypothermia. Scott also breaks down how you and I can immediately benefit from this new and exciting field of research. And speaking to that, I myself have already taken the plunge, pun intended, by doing three to five minute cold showers every morning, all the way to the left, as cold as the water can go. And I've actually come to really enjoy it because of how it makes me feel after I feel awake, energized, alert, and ready to get to the gym. So that's it for the preview. Let's get to the interview. Hey, Scott. Thanks for coming on the hey. show. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm excited to, to talk to you about this because um, I came, you know, kept on hearing about particularly cold showers and just cold exposure as a as a therapy of sorts or something. I didn't even honestly look much into it. I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to start taking cold showers and, you know, see, uh, see what happens. So I started mm -hmm. it uh, in last winter. Uh, now we're just coming out of it, right? And so mm -hmm. that was also, I guess, the, the, the winter water here in Virginia is cold. I learned that right away. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, at first it was kind of, uh, it wasn't very enjoyable to, to yeah, cause I was just something that I, you know, I can't, I don't know, maybe I'd taken cold showers when I, uh, I grew up playing ice hockey and yeah, after some games just literally to cool off. But first, mm -hmm. first thing in the morning, never had done that before. And, but I found that, uh, I came to, to start liking it just because it woke me up. I felt kind of energized after I felt more blood circulation in my body. And so I just, mm -hmm. you know, just started just doing that really. And then looked at, then started looking into, okay, so what's the, what's the story? Is this just, I mean, even if the only, even if the only benefit were just it improves blood circulation and it makes me feel good when I wake up, when I'm done with it, then that's enough mm -hmm. for me. But, uh, so I came across your book, read it and, uh, and really liked it. So that's why I reached out and, uh, have some questions that I wanted to ask you just more personal going through it, but then also some sure. stuff that I think, I think the listeners will find very interesting because chances are they have heard about Wim Hof or just cold mm -hmm. exposure in general. And mm -hmm. maybe, you know, we're basically in the, in the same boat as me. We're like, yeah, I don't know. It sounds kind of interesting, but is it, is sure. It, is it bullshit? Mm -hmm. Is it uh, is it just some kind of fad? Is it is it just something to do that's more just like 
well, forcing to do yourself, forcing yourself to do something difficult is just good in that regard because it just mm -hmm. builds mental fortitude or whatever, you know, so. Uh, sure. I think yeah. I think it's going to be I think we're gonna, it's going to be an interesting interview. So well, I'm glad you're taking cold showers. That's the first step. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's funny. So I got someone else in the office here to start doing it with me. So he now we're, he, he's like, all right, we got to start so doing you, sh you shower together. That's pretty. That, that's yeah. cool. Well, that's it's, it's team building. It builds morale. <laughs> like I'm trying to get the whole office. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, I dig it. That 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 that's that's very cool. <laughs> it's it's not weird if you don't make eye contact. Right. Yeah, I, I get that. You know, you got you got to sort of look at the wall and just you know breathe deep. Yeah, and and go in <laughs> go inside. You know. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Um, so so in the beginning of the book, uh, I thought it was funny. You kind of mentioned that you kind of felt your spirit animal was a jellyfish, right? So you right. you just kind of float around and eat and do nothing, and then mm -hmm. fast forward to a few years later, you're somebody in Mount Kilimanjaro in your underwear. Right. And that's right. a, that's a pretty dramatic personal transformation, not just the physical side of it, but you know, just, just, just personally to, I guess your you probably feel like your identity changed quite a bit or who, who you are in some, in some way. Um, mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit about that and what has kind of changed most yeah. for you and how has that kind of affected your life? Yeah. Well, I've always been a really warm weather guy, right? You know, I, I did was born in Rhode Island, which is, does have some cold winters, but I spent a lot of time in LA. I spent a lot of time in India as a, you know, sort of foreign correspondent doing sort of the war beat and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, I had been sort of sitting at my office or looking out at these palm trees, uh, you know, swaying in the breeze when I came across this picture of this dude named Wim Hof who yeah. was sitting on an iceberg and he had this sort of like serene look of happiness on his face. And, I had just sort of grown accustomed to the idea that being comfortable is awesome. Like yeah. the weather in LA is awesome all the time. Yeah. And, and sort of the message that he was, was putting out was that, you know, the, the environment that you live in, uh, uh reflects in your biology and your biology responds to it. And, mm -hmm. and being comfortable all the time is not necessarily good for you. In fact, it, it makes these, biological processes that you have that are hidden from your conscious mind, you know, makes them go inactive. Mm. And he looked totally comfortable on this iceberg. And when I saw that same thing, like the idea of like sitting on snow, seemed fucking insane to me, right? <laughs> uh, and, and it seemed painful and horrible. And, 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 you know, the more I read about him, and this was like in 2011, he was not a big deal at all at that point. Yeah. The, the more I read about him, the more bullshit it sounded, right? Absolutely. <laughs> You know, okay, he can stand in snow, but then he was saying, yeah, I can teach anyone to control their body temperature like a Tibetan Buddhist monk. Yeah. And uh, on top of that, I can control my immune or system. Or like those massages. You ever seen those videos where like they can heat mm -hmm. their hands up for massage and stuff and you're like. Yeah. Yeah. Like wh what is that? Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I had just written a book uh, about. Uh, sort of false gurus and people who pursue meditation to sort of the utmost extreme and how that can end up fatally sometimes. You know, I looked at, I, I actually, I'd, I'd known people over the years who died on meditation retreats, taking their life at the end of it because they believed they had achieved superpowers. All they do is leave their body. And I started had for years before I'd even heard of Wim Hof, I was collecting journals of people. And, who, and wait, uh, was you're saying they them. willed themselves to death or they just killed, they like took, you know, they killed themselves. Like, uh, they would like jump off roofs and oh, things like well, that's that. Not, you know, that's not as, it's more, <laughs> Hey, it's impressive. You could just be like, all right, watch this and then die. That that's at least impressive. What's going on with that. <laughs> but yeah, not so impressive if you're just jumping off buildings. 
Well, I'd also, you know, looked at this guy who meditated until he dehydrated to death in the oh, deserts of Arizona. Not very you know, impressive. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was skeptical of anyone who was saying that they could give you superpowers through meditative techniques. Yeah. And when I went out to see him and I, and I booked a plane a ticket, I was on a commission from Playboy magazine. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to just watch his claims fall apart. I'm going to write another book about a guru who had, you know, was yeah. overheated mumbo jumbo. Uh, but it turns out when you start doing the method, shit starts changing. Like I, I, it, within a week, I'm standing in the snow for an hour at a time, sweating, not uh, freezing to death. And this is the middle of the Polish winter. It's the winter that stopped Napoleon. It's the winter that stopped the Nazi blitzkrieg. And here I was hanging out there in my skivvies, sweating. And then we ended the, the week, cl me climbing up a mountain, uh, you know, it's probably two degrees Fahrenheit outside. I was on the mountain for eight hours and wow. I was warm. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Not only, you know, th there are these stories of Tibetan monks who are able to do this, right? right. Uh, and, and they sit in the snow and the snow all melts around them. But to get to that level, it yeah. takes them at least 10 years of training. This took me a week. And, That's crazy. Uh, and it is absolutely crazy. And so I knew I had to go explore more about him. And over the course of the next six years, I'm sort of going in and out of doing the Wim Hof method and working on some other journalist projects. And uh, I, I sort of commit fully in about 2015, 16, something, something like that. And, you know, go in and just sort of watch my biology change over the course of sort of a six month winter protocol of, you know, jumping in the snow when I can, jumping in the like, icy rivers. And, wow. and uh, you know, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing uh, ride. Wow. And, and what have you noticed? I'm just curious, what benefits have you noticed just outside of, you know, mm -hmm. being able to do things that uh, people would think are physically impossible? Because sure. I'm sure, you know, that the other things have changed as well, right? I would think. Yeah. The, the coolest thing uh, that, that has happened is so there's this autoimmune benefit of being in the cold, which I had not expected. You know, this me being warm in the snow seemed already incredible. But since I was a kid, I suffered from these things called canker sores, which are sort of ulcers on the inside of your mouth. Yeah, they suck. And because they're, they're autoimmune in nature, you know, I used to think they were herpes and I've talked to like lots of doctors like, no, these are autoimmune mm. and, and, and they can get for me the size of a dime, like so really wow. big, painful, horrible things. And I tried everything I could to get rid of them. You know, I put salt on it. I tried iodine. I tried every freaking cure out there, steroids, yeah. everything. They always came back. And then once I started doing the Wim Hof method, they just disappeared. They just stopped coming. Mm. And and it turns out that the cold stimulates uh, the the fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. You know, the, yeah, the, you the sort of feel sympathetic. that. Mm -hmm. Immediately. And that's not something you get in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. And the fight or flight response also is connected to the same control system that controls your immune system. Mm -hmm. And one of the ideas about why we get autoimmune illnesses in general is that if you think about your body and, and sorry, if you think about the immune system as a sort of a predator, like a, a wolf running around trying to kill the bacteria and viruses that might come in, we have so few exposures to that sort of thing in our, you know, everyday yeah. lives. Right. Now, it needs something to do. It's like, ah, fuck it. Let's just yeah. let's go over here and start eating this. Let's go eat the inside of your mouth a bit. Exactly. You know, and it starts chewing on the sort of my lip or, you know, people with Crohn's disease <laughs> chews on their intestines or people with arthritis chews on their joints. And this, these cold exposure and the breathing techniques end up being like giving that wolf a chew toy. 
and and it gives it something to do. And you know, I've seen these. You know, mouth ulcers are not like the worst thing in the world. Sure. Uh, but I've seen them go away. But I've also seen people put Crohn's disease into remission. I've seen. Mm. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis go into remission, and uh, even Parkinson's disease, which is not autoimmune, but sort of must be connected to the same Some, thing, yeah. uh, uh, also sort of be managed under these protocols. And that's been the really sort of most fascinating yeah, thing, because you know, because you could look at exercise routines, yep. and you could be like, oh, I do, I exercise a lot, and I get stronger. You know, there's sort of a one-to-one -one thing. But the and I mean, the, and the exercise stimulates the same type of response. It is the fight or flight. I mean, you feel, of course, you go and you go do a grueling workout, and you feel it. So it's interesting that this does something else that I mean, mm -hmm. you wouldn't necessarily get from exercise. Yeah, and it's below the conscious mind. You know, you have all these processes in your body that are autonomic, which means you don't. Mm -hmm. you, you can't think your heart to a slower rate, at least not very easily, right? Mm -hmm. You certainly can't think vasoconstriction, which is the, the muscles in your fingers and, and feet. The muscles along the arteries and veins, sorry, it's along the arteries. And they, in cold, will clench, you know, and in, in heat, they will dilate. But if you live in like 72 degrees your whole life, you never, those muscles never move so they don't get exercise. So you can look at like cold showers in the same way as you do, you know, it's exercise for your cardiovascular system. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, that totally makes sense. Um, so, so the book is also, it's about more than just kind of your personal transformation. Um, I mean, I, what I got is it's more about pushing kind of the limits of what we're physically, mentally, and in, in some sense, spiritually capable of. And I mean, sure. you, you say that you believe that, you know, or this is something you've kind of taken away from this whole experience that when the body, mind and soul, so to speak, work together, that, you know, we see, we can accomplish amazing things. Um, right. Can you expound a little bit on that? Well, I mean, that's big, right? You know, I know. Like, like, but this is one of the questions I wanted to ask you because I, I, I thought it's the an, meaning of life. I thought it's an interesting <laughs> and then, and I, cause it resonated with me. So I'm like, I gotta ask him about this just cause it's not something, you know, a lot of, even a lot of, even a lot of listeners, um, obviously a lot of people listening are into fitness and just, just self-improvement and self-transformation in various ways. But a lot of the focus, of course, is more just on the body is, you know, improving the body, mm -hmm. improving the body, improving the body, whether it be mm -hmm. for, say, for the purposes of vanity or, or health or whatever. But if you venture into mind or soul stuff, you go off into new age stuff that, you know, it, it can get it, it, mm -hmm. I'd say a lot of it is it can be some of it can be interesting, but it, it moves away from practical. So what's I thought also interesting mm -hmm. is that this is, again, a very practical method that kind of produces mm -hmm. experience in you and you're a skeptic by nature. Right. Uh, so I just but it, it's it's interesting because so you can do these breathing methods and they will put you in. So the, the breathing method, let me explain that first. It's it's you hyperventilate, meaning sort of long, deep, quick breaths. So in about a, a, a minute time, you should do 30 or 40 breaths. And then at the end of that, you exhale and then hold your breath for as long as you can. And then you sort of repeat this process back and forth until you're holding your breath for, you know, I do it three minutes uh, in the morning every day. So I could hold my breath for three minutes after doing three repetitions. Mm. And when you do this, you have it, it, it induces a meditative state. Mm -hmm. It induces a thing like if you were going to sit on your, you know, uh, meditation cushion. And I don't know how many of your listeners are sort of uh, meditators mm -hmm. regularly, but but if you sit there and you sort of focus your mind, eventually you'll get to this sort of state of calmness. Uh, and and you you know you might see shapes move around, time might speed up or slow down, and you sort of get this sort of through through this introspection and watching your thoughts. Now, the Wim Hof method puts you into that state 
incredibly quickly through a physical process. Mm. And, 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 you know, you might end up, if you really push yourself, you sort of end up, you can end up hallucinating you can, or, or, or seeing things. And, you know, I don't really push this in the book too much because I didn't want to make the book about sort of spirituality. That right. was not my goal because there's a, there's a very physical side of this and, and the physical techniques are, are awesome. But because you do have these states that you can get into, these sort of almost existential states, you can see things like, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen human faces uh, when, when I'm sort of on the edge of sort of have to gasp and I sort of get into this thing where it's, you know, you feel really connected to the world and it's wow. weird. And I don't really... It reminds me of there's research. It was, I saw, I ran into it just recently, actually. It was like experiments done where people stared at themselves in the mirror for hours and hours and hours and reported the same type of thing. They started seeing dead relatives and like demons and all kinds of shit. And that was just staring. That's just, I don't know, looking at themselves in a mirror for, and there, there was no breathing exercise. It was just sit in a mirror and look at yourself for six hours. And now you're seeing like, <laughs> you, wow. now, now you're like, you know, Nikola Tesla or something. I don't know. Huh. Uh, I mean, you know, you, there, there are lots of interesting brain states to be examined. Uh, and, and the thing is, there's a whole bunch of techniques to sort of access stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know about staring into the mirror. I've never heard of this, but you know, there's, it's, it, there are experiments are done. I think it was like in the 60s or something. Huh. I mean, but there's other things that, that happen. Like if you look at G-lock, which is the if you if you're a pilot and you go under high G-force, you get these depersonalized experiences. And one of my friends who's a, a fighter pilot uh, says that, you know, on like an eight hour trip, you know, moving at really high speeds, uh, you, you sort of lose perspective on where the horizon and the ground is. Mm -hmm. And he says that it's very common for pilots to depersonalize, which means that they sort of see themselves in the cockpit from outside the cockpit. Mm. And they're actually looking at their bodies. And that, wow. you know, it's... And what does that mean? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> is, 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 it, is it hallucination? Is it just a physical thing that's just a brain state that's just like yeah. weird but can be explained by electrical magnetic phenomenon in your brain? Yeah. Possibly. Or is or it something else altogether? Who knows? You know? Right. Right. It's, it's one of these eternal human questions. Totally. And, and the cool thing about the Wim Hof Method is, is it's, it can be, if you want it to be, a way to explore those questions uh, and, and, and explore those brain states uh, that are sort of mystical. And, and so there's this other thing. So he has this thing called DMT breathing. And I don't know if you've ever heard of, of DMT, but it's this molecule that you release when you are about to die. Mm -hmm. And it's, it sits in the pituitary gland and it, and, and it goes, and you know, you've probably heard of ayahuasca. Yes, yeah, it's, it was a di dimethyltryptophene or something. Yeah. There's, there's documentaries called, called, they call it the spirit molecule. Anyway, right. the really interesting thing about DMT trips is that people often report similar experiences. So, you know, if you're, you're hallucinating an acid, you look at the sky or whatever, and the sun might look weird. But with DMT, it's a 15-minute trip, and, and a lot of people uh, talk about seeing particular types of creatures. Uh, you know, there's something called machine elves, and there's sometimes they see something called lady ayahuasca. And and yeah, that's funny, right? You're machine elves. That, that, but when like 50 people see machine elves, yeah, you're you like, gotta think that that's weird. And so, so the, the, the breathing, if you do it for like an hour, you know, I usually do it at 15 minutes in the morning, but if you actually maintain that breathing method for an hour, you'll get to a point where you will actually start seeing those shapes and those, the machine those, elves come marching, machine elves will come marching and that's nuts. And that's so, crazy. So, 
some people will say that, that the Wim Hof method will um, release DMT. Now, I'm agnostic on that. I've never stuck a probe into my pituitary gland, sure. and I've never even done DMT. I've only read about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, fascinating stuff that, you know, you can explore this yeah. way. I mean, uh, it just makes me think of, and I had this written down in my outline in connection with you and the next thing, that a lot of this stuff, I mean, makes... Uh, it makes me wonder what else we're capable of and sure. and mm -hmm. how these things are possible. And coming back to what you're saying, is it is it brain states or is it something that would be more in line with Eastern traditions where uh, is there a mm -hmm. spiritual side to our existence? I mean, these are un mm -hmm. a lot of people, maybe they don't consider them because maybe a lot of people also don't want to. I mean, you know, sure. if you take a more Eastern mm -hmm. concept of reincarnation, for example, you've probably, you probably know all about the indigo children and all that research. And uh, have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it. I, I, I don't really uh, follow that, but yeah, uh, I've heard of it's it. It's just interesting. It's a psychiatrist. I think he's a, he teaches at university of Virginia and, mm -hmm. uh, spent decades documenting a lot of case, uh, studies of children that have past life memories and things that are just mm -hmm. un unexplainable. Basically this kind of stuff mm -hmm. where you're like, if we're going to take the simplest explanation, it's that somehow these people lived before. Mm -hmm. if, if there's another explanation, we don't know what it is kind of thing. And this guy right. is a respected scientist though. You know, it's, it was rigorous. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just whatever, but anyways, so, mm -hmm. so it just, it just opens these big questions of, you know, maybe in our lifetimes we'll have, you know, maybe we'll have more answers that to, to help understand what is mm -hmm. actually going on with, with, uh, with all of this. Well, I, I hope not. I hope we don't ever get answers. I yeah. hope that we, we, it remains a mystery because let's say you knew God, Right? right? And God was this dude with a beard who lives in clouds. And yeah. and you knew what, what he was up to and what he wanted. That, that would make life no fun. Like, a lot of it is the search and the wondering of what you're supposed to do in your life. And and if we had the actual answers, like, I think it would take some of the fun out of living, actually. And, and also, it would put the focus on the spiritual realm when we live in a physical world and maybe we should do the best we can with the physical world instead of getting all focused on, on, on these esoteric things, you know, reincarnation, you know, there's lots of stories about kids who, uh, you know, I lived in India for years and there's always news stories about this kid who remembers a past life. It's in the newspaper, like every, you know, three weeks, whether or not it's true, who yeah, knows, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, I think that if we knew definitively, then we would start living for a, an indeterminate future. And then we, instead of trying to do the best we can with the life right here. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I think there's just, it's just so unknown. It be what, what is the answer? It depend a lot on that, I think, right? Because mm -hmm. sure. I think there are, there are answers that could lead us off in a direction that would be an evolution of the species. And then there could be answers that would maybe not, mm -hmm. not, not do that. Sure, um, sure. But anyways, yeah, I just found that interesting. That's one of the things going through it where it's just like, it's just trippy stuff that you don't really consider. Like, you know, this is the next thing I wanted to kind of bring up is in the book, you mentioned evidence of abilities that, you know, we humans, we once had uh, right. abilities that, you know, seem to have been lost, supernatural kind mm -hmm. of abilities. And like, you know, for example, uh, you know, the, it was like tribal peoples that had a perfect sense of direction and location, regardless mm -hmm. of where they were. Um, right, know, but not supernatural. Let's see, see I, I, I talk about this. I mean, I know we've just been talking about this sort of psychedelic. It, and see, sort of it seems realm, to be. I mean, but, at first glance, you're like, how is that possible? 
but they're biological things. They're yeah. things that we have because of the process of evolution right. that now we have outsourced those abilities to technology. Right, so right, right. Uh, so the, the humans have an innate sense of direction that we, that we have. We, we, we can, you know, if Perceive, you look at sort of yeah. indigenous populations who've never had access to like compasses and sort of the way we think about directions now, they can sense possibly north all the time. And, and some people assume that it's magnetic cells in the eyeballs or nose. Mm. Uh, it, you know, it could be some other sort of system of things, but, but they are in tune with general direction. And there was this, there's this indigenous group, the Gugu Yamathir in Australia, who didn't have a word for left, right, front, or back. They only had words for the cardinal directions. So mm. right now, you would be to the north of me. I actually, right, actually right. I don't know how they would deal with Skype. <laughs> Skype <laughs> That's the real test. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, and when the, you know, the Western researcher, you know, so when like uh, Darwin and these sort of other sort of explorers meet them, it, like, it, it's insane because they're like, you know, think of their dinner party conversation, you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to sit to the left of me and no, you're to the north and it's crazy. And they could even put them in a dark room and these people would always be able to tell these directions. Yeah, that's very uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, and you know, what are some other, just for the listeners, what are some other examples of, uh, you know, some of these seemingly kind of lost abilities? I know you go over in the book, but. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's there, uh, for instance, uh, temperature regulation is obviously one of the main topics in the book, right? Yeah. When, when the pilgrims landed at Plymouth rock, uh, it was the middle of the winter and they didn't meet anyone for three months. And then this dude walks up to their camp in a loincloth and he says, welcome, welcome, Englishman. He knows English, too, which is weird. Um, uh, <laughs> he was kidnapped as a child by, by English fishermen in Maine. But this is the true story. That's great. He comes up to them, and it's in the middle of March in Cape Cod, which is really cold. And he was wearing just a loincloth. And, and that's sort of, that's insane, right? Because, because this was just his winter outfit. And so that's one, you know, the direction sense is another. Mm -hmm. uh, some people will argue about... Um, Remote communication is something that people that that people may have had, uh, or among they, reindeer, it was reindeer herding, right? Yeah, it was in the Sami. They 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 talked about them uh, being able to communicate over immense distances in inexplicable ways. Yeah. Um, of course, we have that ability now. I'm talking to you over Skype. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, whatever they were they they were doing, it was um, spooky. Yeah. Some, right? Something uh, else. Yeah. Has that uh, mystical kind of quality to it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they were wrong. Maybe this is just misreported stuff. Sure, sure. But, but, but by the time that we started really looking at like, hey, maybe these, maybe there are indigenous groups that have really cool things. By the time we really started systematically looking at, we're talking mm -hmm. like the 30s, 40s, 50s. And by then we'd already basically eliminated most of the indigenous groups in the world. So we had this sort of knowledge gap uh, that, that in, in some ways we may never know. Uh, what what humans might be ca capable of, and and now that sort of this this Western paradigm is around us mm -hmm. uh, all the time, that we don't have the the you know we're always being limited by technology. There is no wild humans anymore. So yeah. what could they do? I mean, yeah. certainly. At so, a very so do you think level, we're like they had great because do you think technology is ruining a bit that a bit of us in terms of our biology sure. or whatever's going on that we're in some ways you know obviously we're advancing very quickly technologically mainly, but then. Mm -hmm. What about us, though? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean we're weaker than we than our than yeah. your ancestors. You know, if you if yeah. you think about, I mean, we have better lives than our ancestors. Absolutely, right? at least we're more, more we're more comfortable than our, an yeah. our ancestors, and we're smarter and sure. we have 
many things of going course, for us. Yeah, of course. But, you know, if you were going to go back 20,000 years into the past, don't uh, challenge anyone to a wrestling match yeah. or a foot race because yeah. they're going to fuck Break. your shit up. Yeah. <laughs> And they could also probably eat more things than we could, right? They probably their gut bacteria was probably amazing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in, in just their their ability to munch through things. Of course, a lot of them died at thirty, so you know, take what you can. Um, but yeah. you but you will see that in, in even in old skeletons, uh, eighty year olds from the remote past. So you know, uh, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand year old skeletons, they don't get arthritis, which is really interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. there are a few instances of it, but but for the most part, the the people who lived into their old age didn't get some of these autoimmune illnesses that we get all the time now. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I just saw recently uh, something just on that point of strength and speed. I just saw it was an, it was an article uh, just mm -hmm. talking about some new research on that and how much, how weak and basically how frail we are physically compared to uh, mm. our, our ancient ancestors um, and mm -hmm. things that you know, they could do things that now we would think would be physically impossible, basically. Sure. And like grip strength now is much worse than it was even in the 50s. So, mm -hmm. you know, your ability to, to grasp things, uh, you know, they, they've been measuring grip strength since like the, the 1910s or so. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we, we suck at it now. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of it's because we don't do the we physical do a lot exercise. Of, a lot I mean, of this, that, that, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. We have the best carpal tunnel, though. I mean, just our carpal tunnel <laughs> is amazing. Off the charts, carpal tunnel uh -huh. game. <laughs> So, yeah, so exactly. do, you, do you still practice the, so, I mean, so you practice, you do the breathing, do you still do the cold, any other benefits that you've noticed since finishing the book? I mean, obviously you talk a bit about it there, anything else that, uh, yeah, I mean, so I still do the breathing every morning. I take cold showers every morning. I mean, okay. uh, for the book, I was much more uh, dedicated to finding cold all the time, but sure. you know, that was sort of an experiment I was running. And in yeah. those six months, one of the cool things I did was uh, test my VO2 max, mm -hmm. which is sort of the, your, uh, your maximum exertion level and testing what sort of energy you're using, whether it's carbohydrates or fats. And, and right. when I started, I was uh, mostly a carbohydrate burner. And, you know, I could do, I think, six stages on a VO2 max test, which is uh, you're running faster and it goes sort of more of an incline. So I made seven stages in that. At the end of six months where I didn't change my exercise routine at all. So I was still just doing about three workouts a week. And it was usually like a hike or a swim or a, a, like a three mile jog. So nothing too intense. Mm -hmm. At the end of that six month period. Uh, I became, had become mostly a fat burner. Mm. Uh, and the, the doctor had said, uh, who was researching me, it was just if I had added seven hours of cardio exercise to my routine every week. Wow. Uh, and that's, which that's is, attributed to the brown fat? Uh, well, it's to the, to the breathing and the cold method and the cold exposure that I was doing. So I, oh, I didn't so you're control. saying it wasn't, you it's just that, not, not necessarily a physiological adaptation in terms of brown fat. I mean, I kind of left that off the list because that's all, that's one of the, I, sure. mm -hmm. just for the sake of time, I was like, I want to ask him some other questions, but that's yeah. another interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I probably had more brown fat, um, but I didn't do a PETCT scan, which okay. would have tested it both, both ways, mostly because there was no reason to, you know, inundate me with ionizing radiation. Like, right. you should only do a PETCT scan if you have cancer. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, because it can cause cancer in you. So that's, <laughs> that's a problem. Uh, so, but, but, we, but I was certainly much more comfortable in the cold over time yeah. than I was before. You know, so we end the book with me climbing up, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro in just a bathing suit with Wim. And I do it in 28 hours, which is very fast. Yeah. Uh, it's not a world record, 
Um, but it's very fast because it usually takes people about uh, five days to get to the top of uh, of Kili. Because you have to acclimate as you go up. and Right. It's not that it's technical or difficult. It's that if, if you don't go in slow stages, you'll get uh, altitude sickness, which means you can't get the oxygen into your limbs and, and, and you'll die. Uh, and so Kili has about a 60% uh, failure rate uh, because of altitude sickness, even though the hike itself is relatively easy. And, mm-hmm. and that's at five days. We went with 30 people and we had a 80% success rate. Wow. Uh, and we did it in 28 to 30 hours, depending on which section we were in. And, and that's amazing. The army were, predicted were you that cold, we, Were you cold at all? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> or were you sweating on the way up? <laughs> No, I mean, you know, I, I actually put a sweater on like twice because it got down to negative 30. Uh, Cheater. And I know, I know. I, I felt a little bit like that. I was like, oh, man. But then you have to sort of remind yourself like this is crazy yeah. what's going on around you. Yeah. And I, I didn't like it polar north face up. It was just a sweater. That's great. Well, any, any new scientific findings on the – because, you know, there's the literature starting to pick up on this obviously over the last few years. Any other scientific findings on just what I guess is generally being referred to as the Wim Hof method? Um, that you think are worth, yeah, sh- worth sharing? There are a lot of studies ongoing. Uh, the, the biggest one is still the endotoxin experiment that came out about four years ago, mm-hmm. which is they injected Wim Hof uh, with endotoxin, which is basically a heat-killed E. coli bacteria. Mm-hmm. And usually what happens when you're injected with this, you'll get a fever response. Uh, and you'll, 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 you know, your nose will run, you'll get aches and pains, the, all the things you might get with the flu. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not dangerous. It's just your immune system saying, this is an emergency, we're going to activate this. Wim claimed that he could not have this response. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they injected with him, and lo and behold, he didn't have any. Um, responses to endotoxin, which which was a big deal at the time because it was saying that you could consciously turn off your immune system, yeah. uh, and that had never been done before. Uh, and so that was amazing. And then a year after that, he trained 12 people and put the, all of them through the same experiment, and they were also able to uh, have the same the, no response to endotoxin, which is uh, statistically amazing. It shows that the Wim Hof method is teachable. So that is still the, the study that everyone looks at. Uh, I know that there's currently ongoing stuff to sort of understand whether it's his breathing method or the cold. They're trying to sort of figure that out. There have been some epidemiological studies on cold showers, mm-hmm. uh, and there is some upcoming research about uh, it, whether the Wim Hof method can u- be used to treat anxiety and PTSD. Mm. Uh, and I don't think that's published yet. And okay. uh, I would think it probably is because the method is actually very similar to a technique called um, cognitive behavioral therapy, sure. uh, where you can essentially one of the techniques is you will induce a panic attack in somebody so that they can see that the panic attack's not so bad and then their anxiety will get reduced. That's a really simple way of explaining that technique. The Wim Hof method, the hyperventilation uh, and the retention actually can seem like a panic attack to your body as well. So it gets you also used to those states. So I, I will not be surprised if when that study comes out that it says this is you know good for anxiety too. That'd be great. Be better than you know a cocktail of psychotropic drugs, I think. Sure. Hey, quickly, before we carry on, if you are liking my podcast, would you please help spread the word about it? Because no amount of marketing or advertising gimmicks can match the power of word of mouth. So if you are enjoying this episode and you think of someone else who might enjoy it as well, please do tell them about it. It really helps me. 
And if you are going to post about it on social media, definitely tag me so I can say thank you. You can find me on Instagram at Muscle for Life Fitness, Twitter at Muscle for Life, and Facebook at Muscle for Life Fitness. Okay, so what are a few things that the listeners can start doing right away at home to benefit from this? So you spoke about the breathing, you explained quickly mm-hmm. how to do it, cold showers. If you just give people listening, all right, here's a little summary. If you want to kind of start experimenting mm-hmm. with this for yourself here, just start with this. Right. So the let me explain the breathing method yeah. another time because okay. I think that that you really do have to do both. Like cold okay. showers are great. Uh, uh, but it's See, not I'm just I'm just a poser. I'm just doing the cold showers. I didn't yeah. Cold showers are great, but um, they'll only do one half of this thing. And the okay. breathing is also very powerful. So, so what it is is basically deep hyperventil- hyperventilation. So it's not panicked hyperventilation, but it looks like 30 breaths, 30, maybe 40 breaths. So like super yep. oxygenation type of deal. Super oxygenation, you're all um, carbon dioxide. And so at the end of that, you exhale. So empty your lungs and then ret- and hold your breath for as long as you can. The first time, it will not be as impressive as the second time and the third time, right? <laughs> and, and so I usually do a one-minute breath retention. Then I do a two-minute breath retention, a three-minute breath retention. Wow. And, and, and you just go back and forth. And between... And just to be it, clear, it's exhale, hold, not exhale, inhale, hold. Yes, exactly. If you, if you do the inhale, that is a different type of technique, and we could get into the finer details. But for, for the basic technique, you just exhale. Um, and then, so after you hold for about three minutes, or the, your maximum length, uh, then you do another repetition of of the breathing, okay. and then go into an anaerobic physical exercise like push-ups. Okay. So while holding your breath with empty lungs, and you'll find that you can do more push-ups on one row than you could usually without holding your breath. Now, when I first did this, I could usually do about 20 push-ups. I did the breathing method, I could do 40. Uh, this wow. morning, I think I did 60 push-ups without breathing. That's impressive. Uh, I, I can hit up to 80 without breathing if I'm like really in the zone. Yeah. Uh, wow. And, and, and if you do it with a full breath, um, if you do the push-ups with full lungs, you'll do more, but there's a slight risk of passing out if you do it with full lungs. Okay. For, for a metabolic reason, we, can, we could go into if you sure. wanted to. One quick uh, question on the breaths. Yeah. Is it, uh, are, you, are you looking to inhale more than you exhale? Is that kind of, or is it just full breath, full exhale? Full breath, you know, when you're, when you're getting... Full, full. Full breath, full exhale. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're not trying to. Because I, when I when I was kind of looking around, also for, for what else is out there for the interview, I had saw, seen people they were talking about that that like you kind of want to you want to breathe in more than you breathe out kind of deal. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense because if you keep on breathing in more than you breathe out, I you're going to explode. So I was right? like, so what? Yeah. Then like you do that until and then you fully exhale and do it again. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. No, no. You just, just okay. breathe deep. Okay, good. Okay, good. I'm glad it's simple. Uh, <laughs> That's all my notes. Then, I was like, I need to ask him because that doesn't really. I don't know how to. How? What does that mean? There's a reset in there somewhere. It's either that or or you pass out or something. I don't know. There, there's a lot of like misinformation and misunderstanding yeah. in, in the Wim Hof method, and part of this is because. Uh, honestly, it's not a method. It's more like a set of principles. Right. And he changes the way he explains it over and over again. But this is what I do. Okay. Uh, and this is the Scott Carney version of the Wim Hof method. Uh, and then after I do the push-ups, then I'll do a headstand sometimes, and boom, then then I'll go and eat breakfast. Cool. Right. So this all happens before you're, you have any food in your stomach. Okay. Uh, and then. When I get around to it, I shower, mm-hmm. and I you start off with a hot shower. That's like totally like, fine. like every few days or something, right? No, no. <laughs> yeah, when I, 
Whenever I get around to it, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so then you shower, you start with hot, that's fine. Wash yourself off, and at the end, do the hardest thing any human has ever done, which is turn off the hot water, keep only the cold on, and sit there for at least a minute. And okay. when you're doing this, uh, you have to suppress that shiver response. Okay. So what your body's going to want to do is tense up. Yeah. And what you are trying to tell it to do is relax in that environment. And when you do that, you transfer your, the, the, the thermogenesis, so the way you heat your body, goes from muscle movement, mm -hmm. which is shivering, to metabolic activity, which is burning white fat and transforming it into directly into heat energy. And that's, that is what you're doing uh, when, you, when you suppress shivering. Now, one minute is the minimum. Okay. If you want to go longer, go longer. And if you can, you know, uh, you're in, uh, you said Virginia, are you near yeah. the ocean? Uh, an hour, uh, hour or so away. So. All right. So, so not perfect. But, yeah. you know, if, if you have access to cold water, swim in it and get to that point where you're comfortable yeah. in that environment. And at first, you're always going to want to tense up and you just will yourself to relax. Interesting. And, and, and when you do that, that's what sparks this metabolic change. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, okay, that, that's what I've been doing. I don't even do the hot. I just go straight cold. And then uh, sometimes I'll end with a hot, like maybe 15 seconds spin around. But I, I, I do about three minutes on cold and kind of like let it get my mm -hmm. front of my body, turn around, get my back of my body, mm -hmm. turn around a few times and just, mm -hmm. uh, just do that. Just try to relax. And I've only, mm -hmm. I, I've done, I've been doing it for a couple of months and I only can remember really starting shivering maybe twice. Uh, mm -hmm. other, otherwise, even in the winter when that was, that was ice cold mm -hmm. water, that was mm -hmm. cold. Um, mm -hmm. And that, but that's what I was doing is I was just relaxing and just kind of mm -hmm. focusing. And I was surprised actually, because the guy in the office here, that's also, you know, I, he, he wanted to just do it just for the sake of doing it as well. Mm -hmm. He, he's still having trouble with the shivering. Like he's, he's having to do it like in stages, you know what I mean? Right. Have him do the um, breathing method uh, uh, because what what the breathing method when you're you get to that point where you feel like you need to gasp you're mm -hmm. really extending that gasp point that is the same mental activity that you'd use to suppress a shiver like that's oh, why those two things are connected so I think that if he did the breathing method he'll get better at the not shivering but you know it's not bad to shiver like shivering is not like a yeah, bad yeah activity it's just that what you're doing in this exercise is trying not to yeah uh and you know everyone's physiology is different like some people don't have the brown fat and they have to build it up over time some people have it because they were lucky as kids and you know there's all sorts of stuff that goes into it yeah uh and it and the wim hof method is not a competition some people in the community be like i can stay in the ice bath longer than you and it's like <laughs> no fuck all of you people yeah like, yeah because yeah. that shit that gets dangerous like oh yeah, yeah well fuck you watch this and then oh that and now that's the end of him Right. Uh, don't go, you know, swimming on an iceberg. Don't do this yeah. underwater because if you do, you know, you can learn to hold your breath for a hell of a long time. Yeah. Uh, some people are like, oh, let's go free diving with this and they all die. So there's, a, <laughs> there's, there's been like four deaths from, from people mixing the Wim Hof death. Wim Hof death. Yeah. <laughs> the Wim Hof the Wim Hof, that, that's the Wim Hof death method. Just that's, that's not recommended. <laughs> right. Right. No, terrible. Yeah. So. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, uh, that's everything I had. Uh, those awesome. are the, that's everything I want to cover. I, I think it's great. I think people are really going to find it very fascinating. And again, I highly recommend you go check out Scott's book. So then let's just get to that. So where can people find you, find your work? Um, if, yeah. if there's anything next that you're working on that you want also listeners to, to know about? There's three projects uh, in the works, but who knows which one's going to happen. Okay. Uh, 
But yeah, so find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Scott Carney, I'll, I'll, I'll show right up. Don't friend me on Facebook. I'm findable, but I will not accept your friend request. Look at me on the author page. Yeah. Uh, that's the way to do it because... I don't even uh, use the personal know. one, honestly. I have so... It just got so inundated. I was just like, and eh, now I'm done with Facebook, but I'll use, yeah. it for, I'll use it for work and I have my page. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, and then there's like, you can find, there's an audiobook. So if you really like listening to my voice, you can listen to me for like nine hours. Uh, and Amazon and independent booksellers, like read the book, but also start taking cold showers right now. Yeah. <laughs> Go do that. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And again, uh, I thought the book was great. I, I really, I enjoyed your writing style. I appreciate it as a writer. Um, and just so everybody knows the name is What Doesn't Kill Us is the name of the book. If, uh, I mean, I'm going to say it in the, in the intro, but just in case anyone skipped the intro, that's the name of the book. I highly recommend it. It's, an intro, it's, a, it's a fun read, moves quickly, but also, I mean, as you can, as you can hear, uh, I like that you went and did it. You went all in, full mm -hmm. immersion. And uh, anyways, I, I, I just, yeah, I agree. And I, th I thought it was fascinating. So um, again, thank you for, for taking your time and coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. This has been a blast. And, you know, keep in touch. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Hey, it's Mike again. Hope you like the podcast. If you did, uh, go ahead and subscribe. I put out new episodes every week or two um, where I talk about all kinds of things related to health and fitness and general wellness. Also, head over to my website at www.muscleforlife.com where you'll find not only past episodes of the podcast, but you'll also find uh, a bunch of different articles that I've written. Um, I release a new one almost every day, actually. I release kind of like four to six new articles a week. Um, and you can also find my books and everything else that I'm involved in over at muscleforlife.com. All right. Thanks again. Bye.